Welcome to Treasure Valley Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck Onoctane. Please don't ask me how to spell that. This episode is sponsored and produced by Lower Gentry Studios. You can go to www.lowergentrystudios.com to check out their original content, which includes live musical performances that were filmed here in this podcast studio, feature films, web series, and some original writing might be on there. Well, I guess it's just mostly movie descriptions now. We're going to listen to some original writing here in a moment. Um, I hope that you enjoy that. But first, please tell me what you all are doing during this quarantine time. This is another solo podcast for me because we are listening to Governor Little's orders. We're two weeks in now. My household is myself, which hopefully after another week of this, I've gotten better at talking to myself so that you will enjoy this podcast more. Or maybe I've just gone down a deeper and darker path. We'll find out. I need to know. Message me, and then we can chat about it. Just go to treasurevalleypodcast.com, and that'll send you to my anchor page, and you can send a message and tell me what the heck you're doing, because I don't have anything else to clean. My yard is in good shape, which usually it isn't. I'm trying to figure out stuff to do around the house to keep myself busy, and I'm running out of options. I wish I would have bought a deck of cards. You know how you're shopping all the time and you see those decks of bicycle playing cards? You're like, why do I need that? Now would be a good time because my next career choice, I think, is going to be a magician. If only I had a deck of cards. I don't want to risk life and limb to get out there and pick them up, though. All right, let's talk about what's going on in the Treasure Valley. So Idaho has been making national news for the last couple of weeks, and it's not necessarily for good reasons. However, before I get into that, I want to point out that your state legislation and executive branch did finally raise the minimum age to be married to 16, which is a Big, big step in the right direction for Idaho, I believe. Prior to that, you could involuntarily marry off your 12-year-old. And I don't know if you knew that, but it was allowed. I think the judge had to consent along with the parents. The kid, ah, they didn't really care. So that was an option for you. Um, But not any longer. If you're a 16-year-old, you can marry a 19-year-old. Much, much better. Much more reasonable, I think. So aside from that positive... I don't know if everybody heard about uh, Ammon Bundy is up in Sandpoint. If you're not familiar with who Ammon Bundy is, he led a militia to take over a national forest area in Oregon. He had a standoff. It was like 40 days or 40-something days. uh, Arm standoff. He had hostages. And I think they just let him off. I don't know what Oregon did with that or if he faced a federal judge. So interesting guy. He's up in northern Idaho giving speeches about how involuntary, or excuse me, quarantines, these guidelines that, uh, these emergency guidelines that the state and federal governments are instituting to protect people from coronavirus and themselves are a breach of our First Amendment rights. And so, yeah, that's national news and Interesting, interesting guy, Ammon Bundy. Look him up. You could read tons of information about him. His Wikipedia page is amazing. I highly suggest it. And then the other big thing that we made national news for was the legislation against uh, transgender 
people here in this state. You can't change your birth certificate after you're born. Like one representative said, boys are boys and girls are girls. Unfortunately, I don't believe that she was aware of uh, something called Swire syndrome, which is if you are some people, it's very rare, but you could be born with an X and a Y chromosome, which would mean that you would be a genetic male. However, um, you don't develop as a genetic male. You develop with female body parts and you carry genetic chromosomes. There's a famous, and I forget her name, um, there's a famous... Uh, athlete. She's a runner. Um, I forget which country. Ah, look it up. Swire disease. You can find out about that. But anyway, you're not, it's just not just a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl. That's not the way it works, but whatever. We're going to spend, after this quarantine is over, we'll probably spend millions of dollars as a state um, fighting this, uh, this, this law that was put into place about not being able to change your gender on your birth certificate because a federal court already struck it down in another state and this is just, I guess they decided this was a good use of our, our money, our money, our collective money. So what I don't understand is if you are conservative, it's a good idea to be fiscally conservative, in my opinion. That's, that's where my thought process is and not to have a lot of laws because I lean heavily libertarian, which means I don't want to have a law in place. And Governor Little is very proud of the fact that Idaho is one of the least regulated states in the country. But then to put regulation in place like this seems counterintuitive. It's just like, let people be however they want to be. And, and the biggest thing in this was about the sports, I guess, which if you look at it, they just essentially didn't want males identifying as females and then playing on women's teams. And they thought it was unfair. But just let the teams figure it out. Who really cares? I mean, to spend all this time during the pandemic, I shouldn't even be talking about it. What I want to talk about is that this, the posts that are going on right now, including those headlines about the anti-transgender legislation and uh, the Ammon Bundy and people going crazy about their First Amendment rights versus being quarantined here in this country, you just you just get a wild variety on social media. And so I decided to go back and uh, look through some of my books because I remembered hearing some of these concepts um, in some of the books that I've read. So I, I couldn't quite put my finger on um, where I read about the bias thing. So I, during this quarantine time, I reread my whole library, which was good. I mean, Dr. Seuss has quite the collection. I recommend you reread that in adulthood. It holds up. I, w I went and looked into this bias thing because I wanted to have uh, an eloquent way to explain what's going on with social media and the dichotomy that's happening so heavily. So I have some good news and I have some bad news in regards to that. Give me news. No, we do not want bad news. Just good news. There's good news, bad news, yeah. So when it comes to people being biased, the good news is that there is a solution. However, the bad news is that that solution is hidden in this podcast and in a book. All right. So um, the book that I, that I pulled information from was uh, by Jonathan Haidt, and it's called The Happiness Hypothesis. And he references a study by George Lowenstein. And 
George Lowenstein is an economist, and economists and psychologists kind of bleed over into each other's fields quite a bit because they're they're both very interested in how people behave. One, because they're trying to make money on the economic side, and then on the psychologist side, it's, well, ultimately, that's where a lot of the psych jobs go, is to marketing and economy, because that's where the money is. So I guess people are interested in why people behave certain ways because of money. His question um, was the assumption that a disparity in outcome in courts has to do with a disparity in information. Prior to his study, everybody assumed that in court cases, the plaintiff or the defendant would win based on having more information than the other side. And that was just kind of the general consensus. And unfortunately, um, that's just kind of a bias. And to me, um, we call we call it common sense, but usually when you're using the phrase common sense, it kind of means that you're biased and you don't want to do any investigation. So here was his study, which is really interesting. He uh, went back into uh, the files, I believe it was in Texas, and he pulled a case um, about a motorcycle accident. Somebody hit a motorcyclist that survived, and so the motorcyclist was suing for medical bills and other costs. Um, he gave uh, two different parties all the information in the court case. So one party, uh, that one subject in the experiment took uh, the plaintiff's job and the other person took the defendant's job. And there was no information that wasn't included. They were only arguing based on the information that they have, which was collected on both sides. Okay. And there was real money involved in this experiment. And so their job was to try to get as much money as possible. However, if it went to litigation, then there would be a simulated court cost. And I don't remember how much money it was. It was like a hundred bucks or something like that. So no new information. They both have the same information. And he was trying to figure out whether or not they would get close to the judgment. But he found something else out interesting too, is that people are stubborn. Okay. He had a group of people. He told them you were going to be plaintiff. You're going to be a defendant. Then gave them the information. And 25% of the time, they had to get the court involved, and they were so stubborn that they would rather pay this experimenter that simulated being the judge to just settle the court, settle the decision for them. They couldn't come to an agreement, okay? So he thought that was pretty interesting. Essentially, same information. It didn't matter who was which side. They just went right to the judgment, 25% of people. They couldn't agree. But on the flip side... If he gave people the stack of information about this, about this motorcycle accident and did not tell them which side they were going to be, he said, you will either be the plaintiff or the defendant in the simulated court case. So they had no skin in the game. They just had to learn both sides of the case as well as they could. And then they would be told in the moment which side they were going to argue. In that instance, only 6% of people were too stubborn to come to an agreement, which he thought was really interesting. I think that's interesting too. So he went backwards and tried to figure out ways to close that uh, gap in stubbornness. And what he found was that um, it's really hard to tell people what side they're going to be on and then have them be nice to each other, essentially. So he, uh, he told a group of people that what side they were going to be on. 
He gave them the information about the case, and then he gave them some extra reading about how people can be biased and how they have a self-serving bias, and that didn't help at all. People were still just as stubborn as they were if they weren't aware of the bias. And then he went to a marriage therapist, and he had, had them uh, suggest to him a way to get people to act more reasonably. And the marriage therapist said, well, you need to have them write and argue the other person's case. So he did that. And what happened was, when you argue the other person's case, you become even less likely to agree on something. Because what you do mentally is you take the information that the other person might argue and then use it against them. So he's like, well, that's out the window. Once people make a decision on what side they're on, or they're told what side they need to be on, how do I get them to just acquiesce a little bit? Finally, he did, he did figure it out. He had them find weaknesses in their own case. And so that little bit of self-reflection allowed them to see what, what they had going on that was not correct, and then be a little bit more malleable in agreeing with another party that was, quote unquote, against them, which I thought, that's, that's pretty interesting. However, that's not very good, because unfortunately, that means the only way to bridge some of these gaps with these different groups of people that are on social media, blasting about Trump, blasting about Governor Little and his transphobic legislation, blasting about rights, uh, our rights being um, threatened, our First Amendment rights, they have to be self-reflecting and see the holes in their own argument before they see the light of day, unfortunately. So we're not going to find any common ground by us pointing out each other's flaws. It's just not in human nature. And that's so, so sad. We're just all inherently bad at statistics and we take our own personal experience and then generalize it to other people. And this is the term that he came up with, um, in regards to this experiment, he called it naive realism. And that uh, he said that we believe we see the world as it truly is. So when other people see it a different way, it's their problem. And we don't ever take that lens and return it back to ourselves and see what mistakes we might have made. And so that's just the self-serving bias. I thought that's pretty interesting. You can see it all over social media right now. Check it out. I bet you can't get through two, three, four, maybe five posts without running into something like that. Somebody outraged. It's a little exhausting. It's all good, though. Maybe it'll change. Maybe people will reflect on themselves during this quarantine time. Give it a few more weeks. We'll get there. All right. Well, um, you know what? I think it's time for a story. It's story time. Sit down and listen to the tales I'll tell you this time. We have something a little special for you this week. It is a story written by Elliot Norton, read by Brian Norton. A New Holiday by Elliot Norton. I'd been awake 43 hours and 30 minutes. I did the math as I smoked and talked. Bryant was there, and we stood on my front porch near River Street. Downtown looked hazy and blue in the early morning light. Always a good witness, Bryant had stayed up with me sipping a glass of water. I was comfortable around him. 
He had recently told everyone he was a homosexual. And I liked the idea he could live with a secret. It made us somehow more alone. If I were to die, I told him, the people I knew would read every word I'd ever written and certain phrases would take on new meanings. He told me I should work harder so the writing stood on its own. The scariest part I said was how functional I'd become, how no one really knew how bad it had gotten. And soon I was telling him about my schedule in the mornings and the effort I had to make each day. He stood and listened, didn't say anything. Later I understood I was giving myself a pep talk, one that someone needed to hear or it wouldn't have mattered. After sleeping through most of the afternoon, the day ended with my favorite team losing the Super Bowl. I only saw glimpses of the game I spent most of the broadcast, lying on the bathroom floor, whispering, Let me live. I want to get through this. Help me, please. I'll change if I survive. I don't believe in God, so I don't know who I was talking to. The only thing that calmed me were thoughts of my father. I remember him drinking ginger ale and ice in the same short glass that used to hold his Irish whiskey. I remember him before rehab. My mother had told him to quit or move out. And for a while he chose to live in a hotel. He was gone long enough that we were accustomed to his absence. The day he came back, my mother took me to a movie. It ended... The house lights came on, and we filed out of the theater, walking up the center aisle. My father stood at the back. He wore new clothes and was clean-shaven. He told my mother he was ready to change for his family, my family, he said, as if he had recently decided that it meant something. My mother nodded slightly, looked up at him, and asked if he'd liked the movie. He said it, it was beautiful. Turn walked out of the theater, and I didn't see his face again until we were under the red marquee. He was teary-eyed, eager to hug me. Hey, a happy ending. Bet you didn't see that one coming with that dark beginning. All right, well, make sure during quarantine time you're not drinking too much or you'll have to spend money on rehab afterward. Thank you all for tuning in today. If you are a local Treasure Valley writer, make sure you send me some of your materials if you want to have them read here on this podcast. We'd love to do that more often. And uh, just go to uh, www.lowergentrystudios.com and you can click on the staff link. I have my email there if you want to send me a Word document. In the meantime, hope you all stay safe and healthy and enjoy the rest of your week.